125 years ago, in October 1899, disaster struck. It was the time of the Second Boer War in South Africa, and the British Prime Minister heard that one of his sons was trapped inside a city under siege. Lord Salisbury was the Prime Minister, and his son Edward was hunkered down in a town called Mafeking, surrounded by enemy forces. Everyone expected the town to fall and those inside to be captured or killed. But the British commander inside Mafeking managed to hold off those enemy forces for 217 days until help arrived. Edward was reunited with his family back in England and everyone was rejoicing. And who was the hero who kept Edward safe? Lieutenant General Robert Baden-Powell, the man who went on to found the worldwide scouting movement. Now, in that Bible reading we've just heard this morning, we meet another father who is afraid that he will lose his son. A son who he loves dearly, a son he thought he'd never have, his only son. That man is Abraham. And Abraham was special because out of all the people on earth, God had made him a promise. God promised to bless him with many offspring and through those offspring to bless the whole world. And the world needs God's blessing. Just look at the mess that we've made of it. And that's what God promised, to bring good out of evil, life out of death, and blessing out of curse. What Satan had ruined, he would recover. What we put wrong, he was going to put right forever. It was a promise to save the world. And he said it would all be achieved through Abraham's offspring, through Abraham's children and their children and their children. The only problem was uh, Abraham had no offspring. Uh, his wife had never been able to have children and now she was too old to. But God keeps his promises. 25 years later, marvelously, Abraham's wife Sarah became pregnant and gave birth to a boy called Isaac. But when Isaac was in his early teens, disaster struck. God told Abraham to kill him. Now, before we go uh, any further, I just want to say that today and every Sunday in the run-up to Easter, we're going to be look at, looking at what I've called uh, shadows of the cross coming up on the screen. Uh, these are stories from the Old Testament that foreshadow Jesus' crucifixion and help us to understand it better. Um, just imagine a tall wooden cross facing the evening sunshine. Behind it would be one of those long shadows that you get. Well, this story about Abraham, it's like that shadow. It's cross-shaped. And if you follow the path of the shadow, 
it leads you to the cross itself. And we're going to do that this morning. We're going to follow the story of Abraham all the way to the cross on which Jesus died. So let's get to it. Uh, I, I'd encourage you to follow along with uh, your Bible open so that you can see uh, the words of the story yourself. Uh, if you've closed your Bible, it, uh, I'll remind you it's page 22, uh, Genesis, the book of Genesis, chapter 22, uh, uh, and that's on page 22. And we're going to take this story in three parts, okay? Uh, and I've given them three separate headings for each of the parts, uh, and those parts are God's order, God's oath, and God's offering. So first of all, God's order to Abraham. Let's read from verse one. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Well, what must Abraham be thinking? God knows how much he loves Isaac. God knows that the blessing of the whole world depends on Isaac's offspring. If Isaac dies, Abraham will be crushed and the world will be cursed forever. It's a horrifying thought. But what does Abraham also know about God? That he keeps his promises. And he told Abraham he would have many offspring, many descendants through Isaac. So Isaac can't die. Or if he does, he'll have to come back to life again or something. But this is the test. Will Abraham trust God's promise? even though he's been given an order that seems to contradict it. Well, Abraham trusts God for now. Have a look with me at verse 3. Little uh, number 3 beneath the big number 22. It says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And this was a journey that was going to last about three days. And this is what Scouts is all about, right? Uh, packing up all the gear, setting out on a long journey into the wild, sleeping under the stars, eating food in the dark round campfires. But all the time, Abraham knows he's, he's getting closer and closer to the point where he's got to decide, will he do what God said? Will he sacrifice Isaac? Well, after two nights sleeping outdoors, on the third day, uh, Abraham looks up, and in the distance, he sees the mountain. He tells his servants to stay and keep an eye on the donkey while he and Isaac begin the difficult climb up into the hills. Abraham carries the knife and the fire lighter. Isaac carries the wood upon his back, the wood on which he would be laid down to die. And as they go, little Isaac asks Abraham about the sacrifice. He says, Father, yes, my son, replies Abraham, the, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
And now we know that Isaac hasn't been told. He thinks they're going to sacrifice a sheep. Can you imagine Abraham's heart beating? What should he say? Should he lie? Should he tell the truth to Isaac? Well, here's what he says. Have a look down at verse 8 at the bottom left of page 22. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And I think we now know that Abraham really does trust God. It seems impossible, but he says God will provide for him and his boy somehow. And so they reach the top of the hill. And Abraham gathers some rocks together to build the altar for the sacrifice. Then Abraham takes the wood and lays it out on the altar. Then he binds Isaac. If this was me, this would be where I'd start to cry. He binds Isaac and he lays him down on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife ready to sacrifice his son. Abraham, Abraham, suddenly a, a voice was calling him, do not lay a hand on the boy, do not do anything to him. It was the voice of the angel of the Lord, God's voice. God said, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham had passed the test. He didn't withhold his only son from God. But it was a test, not the real thing. God never planned for Isaac to die. He knew how much Abraham loved Isaac, and so he provided for Isaac, just like Abraham said he would. When Abraham looked behind him, he saw a sheep stuck in the hedge, a sheep for Abraham to sacrifice instead of Isaac, a sheep that would die for Isaac so that Isaac could live. And with the sacrifice complete, the angel of the Lord spoke one more time, not with an order, but this time with an oath. Have a look down with me at verse 15. This is God's oath. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And this is the key bit. And he says, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God makes his oath. He, he swears on his own life that he really is going to bless all the nations of the world. And it's going to be through Abraham's descendants, beginning with Isaac. And this is where that shadow of the cross falls. This is where we see the shape of the cross in this story. What we see is that God's blessing to the world comes through an only son who is dearly loved by his father who near enough died and rose again. And as we look along that shadow, we come to another son, an only son, 
loved by his father. And this son is the offspring, the descendant through whom God's blessing on the whole world did finally come. Like Isaac, he carried on his back the word upon which he was to die. But unlike Isaac, this son wasn't spared. This son really did die, and he really did rise from the dead. And I'm talking, of course, about Jesus. We've heard God's order, we've heard God's oath. Now let's hear about God's offering. All through the Old Testament, we see people, uh, God's people, making sacrifices. And like with Isaac, uh, these sacrifices are substitutes. The lamb or sheep dies instead of the person who offers it. Isaac didn't die, but a sheep had to be offered in his place, a sheep that God provided. But you know, in the end, animal sacrifice is not enough because the death of an animal is never enough to pay the price for a human life. In the end, to redeem human lives, a human being would have to die as a substitute. And it couldn't be a sinful human being like Abraham or Isaac or you or me. We're the cause of the problems in the world, not the solution. The only substitute who could really redeem our lives would be a perfect, sinless human being, someone as pure as the white wool of a baby lamb. And there only has been one person like that ever, and that's Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized at the age of 30, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus' father is God himself. Like Abraham loved Isaac, God the Father loves Jesus deeply. In fact, he's loved him eternally. The love between them is where love originates from. But God also loves the people he's made. And when he saw the mess we've made, when he saw how we brought death and judgment on ourselves, he made a plan to save us, to offer a substitute to die for us. In the end, the father who had to offer up his only son who he loved was God. Perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. That's God's promised blessing. The blessing of the whole world he promised to Abraham. You can summarize it with that one word, life. Eternal life. Life with God. Life overflowing with God's love forever. But for us to receive that life, Jesus had to die. Like Isaac, he carried the wood on which he would die up the hill. On the same mountain where a sheep died for Isaac, Jesus died on the cross for you and me. God spared Abraham the pain of sacrificing Isaac, but he didn't spare himself. He offered up his only son whom he loved, and Jesus willingly laid down his life. And it was so that you and I 
could be blessed, so that you and I could have life. God is, is sometimes made out to be harsh, distant, someone who doesn't care, but he suffered the death of his son because of a deep, deep love that overflowed to the world that he has made. Jesus died so you could know that love forever. Jesus died so that you could know that love forever. So let me end by asking you, do you know that love? Have you come to Jesus to receive God's blessing? Or are you resisting him or running away from him? Perhaps now is the time to come to Jesus and experience for yourself God's love for you. And for those who have received this blessing of life from God, remember, he is a God who loves you, who gave up his son for you. Jesus laid down his life for you because in spite of your sin, he loves you. And his promise is that he will always love you. And with that, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. Our Father in heaven, we know that you loved your son Jesus dearly and you do love him. And yet, you offered him up to die for us because of the oath that you had made to bless the whole world through him. Thank you that all our sins can be taken away and we can be redeemed. We can have life because he died. Fill us with that life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.